Welcome back to Unleashed at Work and Home, the podcast dedicated to helping pet professionals feel less stress and find more joy in their daily lives. And my guest today is Dr. Eric Hoffmeister, who's a professor of anesthesia at Auburn University. Thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is great. It just occurs to me, I did not check with you before we started recording. Did I pronounce your name right? Yes, Hoffmeister, exactly. Awesome. Okay. So you have 8 million letters after your name. Can you tell us a little bit about what all those certification degrees are? Sure. Well, uh, the DVM, everyone knows, uh, that's the veterinary degree. And then I did a residency in anesthesia and the residency was both an American and European residency. So I got board certified in both the American and the European anesthesia colleges. And then when I was on faculty at University of Georgia, I realized that I need to know more about research. And so I did a master's in health promotion and behavior and learned quite a lot about doing research uh, as well as health promotion activities for, for people, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I need to learn more about teaching. So I did a, a master's <laughs> in sport pedagogy uh, at UGA and learned a lot about how to be a more effective teacher in that setting. So, you know, basically just keep trying to learn new things. If I could be a student, forever professionally, that would be fantastic. Mm -hmm. That's sort of my dream too. (laughs) That is definitely my dream too. Well, the word that um, you and I are talking about today is grit. So clearly you've had a lot of grit to get through that much schooling. Yeah. They stuck with it all through the years. Is grit something that comes naturally to you? I Unfortunately, maybe for your audience, I think uh, a little bit, yes. It's something that I don't think I've really struggled to to do, you know, I, I don't really have a hard time getting out of bed in the morning or wanting to go into work early or wanting to go in on the weekends. And, you know, I think that that's partly a, a bit of a personality trait. Uh, I think it's also that I've been very fortunate to have engaging work that that is fun and interesting to do. And yes. uh, certainly if your work is not fun and interesting, it's much harder to want to yes. go and, and do it. And I've I've had the freedom to make my work what I want it to be. And mm-hmm. so that's, uh, that's facilitated that enthusiasm and that, you know, grit and, and kind of continuing on with things because it's fun for me to do it. Mm-hmm. So tell me what a difficult day for you is as a professor. I think a difficult day uh, for me, I, I think there's a couple of them. One is the the clinic when I'm on clinics and things are just not going well with the cases and I don't have answers and everyone's looking to me to fix things. And I'm like, I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to make this patient better. We'll just do our best. And those are uh, frustrating, you know, Mm -hmm. because um, I'm supposed to be the expert and and have all the answers and that's what the students and everybody expect. So, you know, some, when I look at a student and they're like, what's going on, Dr. Hoff? I'm like, "Uh, I don't know. That's not the answer they're expecting, you know, <laughs> so that uh, that can be a little frustrating. And, and, you know, again, when the patient outcomes are bad, that's also frustrating. Yes. And then when I'm off clinics, I think tough day is mostly related to, to teaching when the students are, are quite demanding or not very understanding uh, is a little bit frustrating that, that I'm really trying my hardest to help them and to teach them. And when mm-hmm. they get it and they're appreciative, then it's fine. But but if they're stressed out about their grades, it's mostly grades, then it's it's harder for me because I'm like, don't don't focus on the grade, focus on on what you're learning. Like that's what mm-hmm. matters. And it's ha- hard for them sometimes to understand that. 
someone years ago said to me that the biggest disconnect they see between students and teachers is students sometimes see teachers as like gatekeepers or barriers, like you have to get past them to the goal of the good grade. Whereas teachers see themselves as like opening the gate and, and come in, come in, let me help you. I'm the guide yeah. to bring you to this. And that, that change in relationship of whether you're the obstacle or the guide creates some issues too in mindset between the two. Yeah, it really is. It's interesting. Um, how they think about their grades for a quiz, for example, you know, if I have a five point quiz and they get a 4.5, their question is, why did I get half a point off? And my mm -hmm. response is, you didn't get a half a point off. You earned 4.5 points, you know? Mm -hmm. And so they, they see it as, no, I, I should be getting a perfect score. Why am I not getting a perfect score? And I see it as, if you're getting 80%, you're doing well. You know, if you learn 80% of this, that's great. You know, so I kind of grade it from the bottom up. And that just kind of highlights what you were saying, that that gatekeeper versus facilitator perspective. You know, they think I'm the one preventing them from getting a perfect grade. And I'm mm -hmm. like, no, I'm, I'm facilitating you learning this from the ground up. Yeah. And, and your measurement is if people are getting poor grades, then you're sort of like, well, maybe I'm not communicating clearly. And you're like, look, you got four and a half out of five. Right. I have communicated well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Whether you absorb everything, that, that part's on you. But clearly I have communicated it for you to get that 4.5. Okay. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, precisely. So we look at grit as sort of that hard work and determination sticking with it and we would all like to believe that we have that but we don't always have that what do you think gets in the way for us when we want to be more tenacious in pursuing our goals yeah that's a good thought i think you know one of the main things that i think about with grit is what happens when you fail you know mm -hmm. what happens when you you're faced with a difficulty I don't think grit really comes in when you have an easy day and you're just kind of strolling along, but it's, you know, you face a, an obstacle. What do you do about it? Or you have a failure. What do you do about it? And, you know, your options are, well, get back up and try again and hopefully learn from that and, and do it better the second time around or let that, you know, failure affect you or define you and, and change you in a negative way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that when we're faced with, challenges, honestly, I think keeping that conscious choice in mind is very helpful. I'm a big yeah. fan of making deliberate decisions. And I'll tell people, you know, I, I don't care what decision you make, which is mostly true. You know, I'd rather they not, you know, strangle puppies and burn down buildings. But for the most part, Me you know, I, I don't tell them, you know, how to behave. But I'm like, you just need to deal with the consequences of your decision. So mm -hmm. if you're you know, facing a tough day and you're going to, you know, stress out and scream at people, you know, well, it's not great. I understand that decision, but you need to own the consequences. And then mm -hmm. if people are scared of you, you can't be like, why is everyone scared of me? Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's because Own the consequences too of not deciding because yeah. not deciding is a decision too. Exactly, that's a really good point, right? And then and then you're letting circumstances control you rather than yes. you controlling the circumstances. Yeah, it's amazing to me how many people 
decide not to decide, but then don't see that they've played any role in that. <laughs> and <laughs> right. like, that's a choice too. And you can make that choice. It's yes. a totally valid yes, choice. Exactly. But I mean, own it. Yes, exactly. Again, deal with the consequences. And if other people are deciding things that you're not happy with, well, you, you need to own that. Yeah. And, and look too at the areas that you can influence. So exactly. there are things we can control yes. and there are things we cannot control. And then there's a gray area in the middle where we can, we have some influence right. and if we can be deliberate about our choices within there too. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I talk to, uh, I, I introduce my students to that principle, the circle of control. Mm -hmm. And if it's in your circle of control, you know, you can do something about it. If it's out, there's no sense in worrying about it. So what are the things that you can control? Focus on that. And, and also that then gives you the ability to act, you know, and it empowers you. If you think, oh, this is within my circle of control, I can affect this, then now you have some uh, responsibility, but you also have some opportunity. And, mm -hmm. and that degree of control often, I think, helps people feel better. Yes. And that's what we're finding too with all of, you know, like the fear-free movements in, in caring for pets in veterinary clinics is that we're actually trying to give the animals some sense of autonomy and control, mm -hmm. which increases their feeling of safety and just makes things go better. Well, same for us. Mm -hmm. The more we feel that we have some autonomy and that we have some control and that we can exert some power on our universe here and, and, and shape things a little bit, the more it matters. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, thinking about it with regards to grit is, you know, when you're faced with a circumstance, you know, decide, okay, is this something I can control or is this something outside of my control? And, you know, I guess an example for me is if I'm having a patient that's doing poorly and I, you know, I do the steps that I know to do to, to try to remedy it and it's not working and there's nothing more that I know of to do, you know, I can, I can call a colleague, you know, I can, um, you know, consult textbooks and, you know, search other resources, but eventually there's going to become a point where I can't do anything more for this patient. And so then it's out of my circle of control. And so, well, okay, you know, not that that's okay, but if I continue to be upset about that, that's really not going to get us anywhere. Right. Last week I was doing a session in a vet clinic and we were talking about that particular element of um, what does success look like for you? Hmm. And so we started with uh, the, the woman at the front desk and she was saying all the things that she does to help people when they come in. And then some of the pieces she was putting on the client's behavior, you know, so, so then I help him calm down hmm. and I'm like, well, the parts you can control are what you do. Uh -huh, you can't uh -huh. necessarily control whether or not you help him calm, calm down, you know, yeah. whether that effect, but you need to know, like I showed up and I did my job and I did, I did all the things. Right. And the result kind of detached from that just a little bit mm -hmm. so that, you know, and so we, we did this whole exercise where I came in as the crazy client and then she did all her things. And then I turned to the vet deck and I'm like, great, now you've got me, you know, so here I am. I'm still so upset that my cat is having this issue. And she was like, oh. and then she told me all the things that she could control uh -huh. the pieces that she would do. Right. And I was like, right. yeah, that's sometimes that's where we have to focus on. Like you can't control the fact that I'm losing my mind because I'm terrified about my cat. Right. You, you can only control how you, how you show up in that moment. Right. Exactly. Yeah. If you're, if you're a tennis player, you can't control whether you win or lose the match. Mm -hmm. But you can control how much you train, how well you're going to show up, you know, thinking about the grit, how you're going to endure when you lose points. Like those are the things you can affect. You can't affect whether you win or lose. And the same with that client interaction. You can't affect 
you know, if that right. person's going to be angry or not, but you can a- a- affect your behavior, which hopefully, you know, results in an outcome that you want, but it's not yeah. a, a perfect correlation. And when it doesn't result in the outcome you want, hopefully it can give you some peace of mind that you at least know you did your part, you know, right. there, there will always be in this world outcomes that we don't want. You know, every vet clinic has outcomes they don't want and every dog trainer has outcomes <laughs> they don't want and every shelter outcomes they don't want. Right. But whether we've kind of done the grit piece of just showing up and making the same effort and really being consistent and moving things along in the areas that we can control is what has the greatest effect on our level of achievement, I think, much more so than you know, natural talent or gifts like, oh, I'm just brilliant at talking to clients. No, right. it's a little bit more of what, what do I consistently do and what can I learn from it? Yeah, absolutely. And that speaks to the fixed mindset versus growth mindset uh, kind of dichotomy where the fixed mindset people think, oh, I am good at this thing. And Mm -hmm. so I will, you know, do this thing. And the growth mindset people say, well, I'm not good at this thing yet. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they can continue to get better at it. And I hear students say this all the time. Oh, I'm not good at physiology. I'm not good at pharmacology. And I'm like, no, you're not good because you're a student. You're learning. You know, you need to put that time in. And uh, so it it sometimes worries me when I encounter fixed mindset people because they think I can either do the thing or I can't do the thing. And, you know, I I want to tell them, no, you can do the thing. You just need to practice it and, and get better at it. Yeah, I think the fixed mindset and growth mindset fits so beautifully with grit. It's the one element that I wish I had known more about when my children were little because I think from schools and people interacting with them, they got some fixed mindsets in academic areas. Yeah. And and they were they were good identities. I am smart. I am good at this. But then it created this like fear of proving that I'm not smart by not knowing something or not being good at something. And I wish I had known more about that when they were young to try to broaden that like no, it's not a measurable, you're good at math. Right. Nope, 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 let's not play that game. <laughs> right, yeah. And, you know, if you're a new dog owner, you know, you're going to make mistakes. You're, you're not mm-hmm. perfect. You don't, you know, if you don't know how to raise and train a dog, well, you don't have that skill set. So, you know, you get the opportunity to practice and, you know, maybe your first dog will hopefully, you know, love you and do basically well. And maybe your second dog will be even better. And, you know, rather than thinking, oh, I'm a good dog person or I'm not a good dog person, yeah. um, you know, realize that that it's a skill set. Yeah. I think, I think the more we can approach life from that perspective, the more helpful it can be. So if, if somebody was, was trying to develop more grit and, and become better at having this growth mindset and sticking with it, what tips would you suggest for them? Yeah, it's a good question. And I don't have terrific answers. I think that, that there is a bit of a personality piece to it. So, you know, sometimes when people have more obstructive personalities or even, you know, narcissistic personality disorder and those sorts of things, my, my kind of conclusion is, well, you might need years of therapy. Um, <laughs> if you're just, you know, a normal person that, that's trying to get better at it, I think, first of all, identifying that you have that control and that you have that, that dichotomy of decision and then feeling comfortable making that choice. So when you're presented with a difficult thing, you know, realizing, okay, I have a choice here and I can make that choice and I can make it this way or that way. 
And if I make it this way, these are the consequences. If I make it that way, these are the consequences. So I think the awareness piece is, is probably the most important part. And it's probably the one that's hardest to develop because mm -hmm. we're just automatically going through our day, you know, living our lives, reacting the way that we always have in the past. And, uh, you know, anybody that's been in a marriage knows uh, what that's like. You're just doing your thing and your partner's doing their thing. And then there's a conflict and you're like, I don't understand. And so it's just interrupting those kind of automatic thoughts and mm -hmm. being more mindful of, of what's happening during your day. So if it's something that, that someone really wants to develop, which I think is a really good uh, goal to go in, I would say, you know, make a morning resolution of, you know, when I encounter a challenge today, I'm at least going to pause and identify it and just realize that this is a challenge that's happening that I'm going to make a choice about. And, and you don't have to make the right choice uh, all the time. And, and it's a spiral kind of process. We have in um, health promotion, there's uh, stages of change principle. And we look at this with like smoking cessation. And there's like pre-planning and then planning and then execution and then follow through. And, and you don't go through the cycle once and now you're not right. a smoker. You know, you go through the cycle once and you fall off. And then, okay, well, you, then next time you go through the cycle, maybe you're a little bit better off. And so giving yourself permission to not do it right every time, I think is really important. I think it is. And the point too about, you know, starting back with the cycle, you're never starting back at that same spot. Right. Like smoking example is a great one because it feels like you're starting back. Like I went back to smoking, so now I'm starting at ground zero again, but you've already learned strategies that helped you through as far as you got on the cycle yes. on the spiral previously so right. you can use those and strengthen those as you add on top mm -hmm. and that's it's a tough piece but it's true you know yeah. the, the we were talking about falling off the wagon once with something where someone was like, oh, I fell off the wagon. And we said, no, 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 you just stopped at an overlook, a scenic <laughs> overlook. You just, just taking a break here, uh -huh. reestablishing where I am. And then you're getting back on that wagon and you're continuing on your way. Yep. And because you have learned things and, and things have grown with that. Mm -hmm. The part about making the intentional choices though, is an area I think people struggle with a lot. So, Again, I mean, it seems to come pretty naturally for you, mm -hmm. but what, what, what tips do you use with your students when you see them not recognizing that they have choices in front of them? How, how to broaden that view? Yeah. Um, well, I, I'm still working on developing that for people because it is, you know, difficult for me to empathize sometimes because I've not been in that circumstance myself. So one thing that I try to do is, is after they've made a decision or like you said, haven't made a decision and then consequences fall out, you know, I try to sit down and say, okay, well, this is what happened. You know, what did you want to have happen? What could you have done to, to have a different outcome? And it makes me think of one of the best pieces of advice I ever got, which was no matter what situation it is, think what could I have done? to change this situation, even if you don't feel responsible. So mm -hmm. you're driving along, minding your own business and someone cuts you off, you know, and you're like, I, I'm not, I didn't do that. That was that person. Well, what could you have done in that circumstance to, to change that outcome? If a student, you know, fails an exam or something, you know, it's easy to put it on them, 
but what could I have done to to change that outcome? And mm-hmm. and I think that that thinking about that whenever you have you know a situation where where you didn't feel in control, even if you think it's not your responsibility, think what could I have done? And so the the people that don't choose or that maybe have a hard time choosing, you know, on reflection when I'm talking with them, I'll, I'll often ask, well, what could you have done? And they'll they'll usually be able to eventually come up with, well, I guess I could have done this. I guess I could have done this. And that that just heightened awareness makes them realize, well, okay, maybe next time you could you could try doing one of those. Yeah, and that that is the awareness piece. That's the piece we're always trying to develop <laughs> and build. Yep. So how can we tell in a moment of struggle whether we need more grit or more self-compassion or perhaps something else? Like I'm trying to get to the goal and it right. just feels like it's still so far away. Right. Yeah. That is one of the hardest balancing acts, I think, about being a human. You know, for myself, uh, my personal struggle is with my weight. And so it's the kind of thing like I want to get better and I want to continue to lose weight, but I also need to be okay with who I am and accept that and not be angry about it. And that is a really difficult balancing act because we can't, it's, it's very hard for us to hold both of these ideas in our head. Like I'm okay, but I want to be better. And, you know, I think practice has helped and just, just being aware that, that they don't have to be in conflict, that you can hold both of those ideas simultaneously that say, I'm okay as I am, but I want to be better. Mm -hmm. That is one of the most interesting thing in Kristen Neff's work where the the self-compassion and the acceptance of I'm okay allows people to say, and I want to be better in a way that saying I'm not okay kind of constricts us and and makes us more likely to engage in a negative habit than saying, I'm okay and I want to be better. It's uh, more supportive and encouraging of those positive habits. And it it seems kind of contradictory because it seems like we should be tough on ourselves. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the the tough on yourself thing, because that's how we always think about, you know, uh, motivation and and punishment reward and and all of that. And, And I think that that's pretty simple, oversimplified way to think about it. You know, that that humans are more complex than just a carrot and a stick. Yeah. Far more complex. So this is, this has been a really interesting thought um, and how it ties together so much of grit with both fixed mindset and growth mindset and also the compassion piece of it. It seems to be the big, the big theme that keeps coming up for us here is kind of a baby steps. Yeah. in terms of awareness and and movement forward. So in what areas of your life do you think grit aids you? And, and do you have any areas where you think it might get in your way? Hmm. I think in terms of aids me, it, it does make things easier for me that are uh, more challenging for other people. You know, mm-hmm. so I have I have no problem happily putting in a, a 10, 12 hour day if I'm doing something constructive. Whereas I identify that there are other people that that's a long day for them. And so I think that that has allowed me to, to accomplish a fair bit, which is nice. And I really appreciate that about how I was raised or, you know, genetics. I'm not sure exactly what, what kind of contributed to that. In terms of getting in the way, it has been harder for me to accept slowing down and, and going home at five. 
because that's not kind of in my, my self-concept and that's not what I feel has made me successful. And so, you know, only the past, I guess, three or four years, I've been really comfortable being like, you know what, I more or less finished my work. I haven't finished all of it, but I'm just going to go home and spend time with my wife and my cats and just have a nice, relieving, relaxing evening. Initially, that was very, very hard for me. It's gotten much easier over the years. But, uh, you know, I have always envied people who are just like, you know what, I'm going to leave work at work and just go. And you've developed the growth mindset around that. And now you're you're working on that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, I'm yeah, getting I did better at leaving yeah. work at work. <laughs> <laughs> That's really true. Yeah. It was hard for me originally. And now I'm like, oh, yeah, this is okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, this has been really fun. If people wanted to learn more about you and the work you do, how could they do that? Well, I have a blog where I give advice to those in the veterinary profession um, who want to progress through vet school and internship residency and academia, and that's called The Veducator. And uh, so I, I write a lot about um, how to be successful, you know, how to, to make your application be strong and how to, to progress through uh, and be a happy professional which is awesome and valuable. I will yeah. link to that in the show notes. Thank you. Well, thanks so much for coming on Unleashed today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much for the opportunity. I really appreciate you reaching out. Thanks for listening to Unleashed at Work and Home. Are you looking for ways to feel better fast and make it last? Do you want more actionable ideas and strategies? Would you like to connect with other amazing pet professionals who care about helping animals and creating healthy, fun work cultures? If so, you are going to love the Unleashed Resilience community. Visit ColleenPilar.com community for more information. I can't wait to see you there.